gentlemen, it's Thanksgiving week and it's time to let it all loose. Food, football, triple F. Let's freaking feast, baby. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Thanksgiving episode with the Triple F Freaking Podcast, baby. We are fired up to be here, and once again, you got an unlucky crew with just me and Dane, because we got a bunch of quitters on our team, Dane. Yeah, I mean, everybody's just kind of just bailing on us. I mean, they act like going and hanging out with their families is more important than doing the podcast. Just terrible. Pathetic, in my opinion. But I will say, uh, we, we need to give a better effort. <laughs> with it just being us two than we did last time because the last time we did ours is pretty pathetic and i really don't want to have to hear brent talk shit on tech again that's not good for his marriage so i think it's best if we just kind of you know just stick with football and not try and talk shit right i mean thanksgiving is the time of year where you are supposed to be the most thankful and the most connected to your family and your friends and Let's be honest, we did not treat them like our family or our friends on the last podcast. So this is one where we need to really dial in, uh, come together as a triple F family and be thankful for our sorry, quitting, no good, won't be with us triple F team. But um, you know what? It's it's a good thing to be thankful for. It's a good time to be back. Feels good to be back in Vega. We're currently sitting in Dane's office room, uh, ready to tear it up on this podcast. So we're fired up. Dane, how are you feeling going into this Thanksgiving week? Like, what are your eyes set on whenever it comes to this week and you're getting to those days just a little bit closer? Oh, I, I've always been a big believer in Thanksgiving is the most underrated holiday out there. It's not the best holiday out there. I don't think anything could ever top Christmas. But Thanksgiving is right up there. And it gets shit on a lot because it's so close to Christmas. Nobody really gives it the appreciation that it should. Hey, hell, who doesn't like to just sit around, BS with all your uncles and cousins, drink a little bit of beer, drink a little bit of whiskey, and just eat as much as you can and just watch football all day long? I mean, what is more American than just stuffing your face with multiple plates of food and passing out while watching some great football? I mean, that's the only downside to the Lions being good this year is usually you could count the Lions as like your nap game, you know, that game that really set the mood for Thanksgiving and then you fell asleep and kind of woke up for the next set of games, the next game that you were looking forward to on the list. Now the Lions are damn good. So I'm going to have to kind of like track myself to keep myself in check to where I don't pass out during the Lions game. But I mean, I'm, I'm totally with Dane on this one. Thanksgiving is the most slept on holiday. Um, I know that Shelby doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm not afraid to throw something out there, but um, you know, her uh, absolute love for Christmas just slanders uh, her appreciation for Thanksgiving. And um, it's it's been the hardest thing to get over in our relationship without a doubt. Um, you know, it's, I just, I need her to appreciate Thanksgiving. And I don't know how you tell, you know, the, someone that you love that much that, you know, they're being absolutely ludicrous and we don't have to watch this many Christmas movies before Thanksgiving even gets here. I agree. And I mean, if, if Shelby's anything like Grace is, I mean, that tree went up pretty much in July. Yeah, I mean, it's just way too damn early. But I I really think that a big reason that Thanksgiving is bigger for the guys than it is for the girls is, uh, for one, you know, Thanksgiving, you don't don't decorate for Thanksgiving. You Mm -hmm. decorate for fall. It doesn't have just one thing. So that's why they skip and go to Christmas, because they're ready to make that transition from fall to winter slash Christmas. 
So that kind of makes makes sense. But also, I don't know a whole lot of women out there that like to eat like pigs. I don't know any of them, actually. I should probably rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I mean, to the guys, it don't matter. Every single guy I know loves to just pig out. Even Brent. Even Brent will throw the diet away for Thanksgiving. He'll eat whatever he wants. Right. And so I can remember quick story like Shelby earlier this week. She was we were talking about it. I was telling her how excited I am again, trying to get her to um, get over her love for Christmas to truly appreciate Thanksgiving. And one thing she told me, she was like, "I'm really gonna try to like control myself at Christmas. I'm gonna try to like control myself with the food. I'm gonna try to make myself not miserable." I was like, "No, no, 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 no. This is like you're looking at it the wrong way because." I'm going to try to force myself to eat more. Like I'm going to try to force myself to get to that miserable point and keep pushing like a true fighter would. I'm going to push myself to the absolute brink and gain at least five pounds before I get back to love it. That is where my mindset is at because I'm a winner. Shelby's not a winner right now, and I'm not very happy. Um, I'm going to have to like really push her to eat some more food and gain that weight with me because then I'm just going to be the fat-ass boyfriend. And, you know, she's still – going to be a 10 and I'm going to be like, well, damn it. You know, that's just, that's tough. That's why you got to get married. Cause then after that, it doesn't matter. You right. can be the fat husband and, and it don't matter. She can't leave you then. Right. There's plenty of fat husbands out there, you know, over still swinging out of their league, but you don't see that many fat boyfriends swinging out of their league. They're a rare bird and I don't want to be one of them. So Shelby time to eat up. Um, but anyways, one thing that we're even more ready for is like we said, the football. I mean, this is, Again, one of the best holidays because it is surrounded by fantastic football. And it's freaking rivalry week in the college football world right now. Are you a little shocked? I know that if there was like, obviously we have the Red River rivalry in the Big 12 that comes earlier in the season. But it kind of feels like they want Texas and Texas Tech to kind of be one of these rivalries that is going in. Obviously, it's not as big as, you know, the game or Oregon, Oregon State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, all those, you know are, you know, good local rivalries, but it feels like Tech and Texas, Texas Tech and Texas is kind of the last remaining Texas rivalry until obviously Texas goes and plays A&M. Are you surprised at how big this game is being pushed or is it just kind of building off of the craziness that happened last year in Lubbock? Well, I think that uh, the reason it's a big game and they're, they're wanting it to be a big game this year at least is because if Tech wins – Texas is out of the playoff race. And uh, so that that is the reason it's a big thing. I really hope, even though I really don't care for Texas or Texas A&M, I really hope that they can rekindle that Thanksgiving weekend, revelry week game whenever they get into the SEC. I really hope they bring that back because I don't know if you remember going to those games with, with Pawpaw and Dad and Aubrey and D. Man, those games were so much fun back in the day. So good. And uh, even though we didn't didn't even have a rooting interest back then, they were so much daggum fun. But I got I got a question for you, Slade. And I, I know I already said we're not going to try and poke fun at the Aggies. But I just said if Tech beats Texas this week, then UT is out of the playoff race, cannot get in. And that is obviously what we want. We want to ruin their hopes as I think that every Big 12 fan that's not a UT fan, I think everybody's room for Tech, which is just awesome. So let me let me just put this scenario out there. Let's say A&M is playing LSU this weekend. Let's say LSU was in the same position as Texas. If they win this week, 
then they're pretty much they're in really good shape to get into the playoffs. Okay. Do you think Eric and Brent would be sitting here right now saying, man, I hope we take away their playoff chances? Or do you think they'd be sitting here saying, well, you know, I'd be all right if we lost that way we can get more SEC teams in the in the playoff. <laughs> That's true. They are so much more loyal. Because it just means more. It, does it, mean it more. means more. And uh, I'm sorry, we're not trying to poke fun, but it's it's true. They are like I mean, AM fans are so loyal. I mean, that's one thing you can always say. They are so loyal and so bought in, not only to AM, but like the SEC as a whole as a whole. I have we have the opinion where we're like, you fuck those guys. Like, oh, screw those guys. I hate those guys. So it's kinda it's kinda interesting to see that because I would not feel that way, but I guarantee they would I would think they would definitely be, you know, this is a win-win scenario for AM. You either get to have a great program win or you get to have another SEC team in the playoffs. So I think that is a good point, but I think they'd be rooting for a win-win. Uh, yeah, and, and it would be a win-win for them. But I just thought – I got to thinking about that today. I was like, that is so funny that they might have that thought in the back of their head that, you know, if we lose, it's not the end of the world. Because if, if Tech lose to UT, F it. That, that sucks. That is just a lose-lose. Right. Nothing, nothing good could come out of it. It's even – it's almost like two losses in one. Right. So that's my biggest thing about Texas Tech and Texas. Like, obviously, we know – as a program, as much as it stinks to say, like, Tech is just not on the level of Texas and, and haven't been for the good majority of the last 10 years, even though Texas has not lived up to standards either. But, you know, we vocalize how much we hate Texas. We we hate them. And it is, I mean, I've learned to, like you said, you know, we didn't have dogs in the fight whenever we were watching A&M UT uh, back in the day with Papa and Dad and, you know, Dee and Aubrey. That's a lie because I have enjoyed watching UT lose since birth. I mean, it has been a thing that was bred into me by mom and dad. Um, so I have always enjoyed it. And I've always vocalized how much I enjoy it. And so have other tech, tech fans. But Texas has always had the attitude of, you know, all their fans are like, oh, we're their Super Bowl. You know, we're too good for uh, Texas Tech. Screw those guys. You know, they, they think that this is a rivalry. They think that, you know, we care about them and we don't. They do care because if you have seen, if you're a Twitter, you know, advocate like I am, you see all of those message boards where they are like, oh, you got hell coming your way for last year. You know, we beat we beat Texas in overtime in Lubbock last year. And, of course, Julie McGuire after the game said everything runs through Lubbock. And it went viral. And it was a big dramatic win, rushed the field, flipped a few, you know, mascots off in the process. So it was, I mean, it was a classic tech thing to do. But now they're chirping, chirping, chirping because they are in a great position, have a great team, and – I mean, how much shit talk are we going to get tomorrow from our Uncle Randy Head Rando? You know, you know he's going to come up, you know, jawing and talking trash. And I'm I'm going to bite my tongue because, you know, if Tech goes into Austin and beats them on the 12 acres and we spoil their season, I am going to talk some shit at Christmas. Well, if Randy's smart, then he will not talk shit. I really – I think you're wrong, Slade. I don't think he's going to talk much because he knows – that kind of stuff comes around to bite you in the ass. Rando's been around a while, Slade. He is old. He, he's he's so been, old. Rando's been around a while. So I, I think that he'll he'll realize, like, okay, I need to stay away from this. Because really, Tech doesn't have anything to lose. You know, we might get a better bowl game. But, I, I mean, whenever you're getting a lower-tier bowl, how much does it really matter? The thing that matters more is, you know, play, like practicing more with, with your team for the next year. That matters a lot more than getting – from a, a tier five to a tier four bowl. 
You know, right. so it doesn't really matter there. All that we want to do now is just cause chaos and just just have a little bit more bragging rights over Texas. That is what we want more than more than a bowl win. I'd rather beat Texas and lose to Bowling Green in a bowl. <laughs> whoever the hell like we if we played the shittiest team that made a bowl, I'd rather lose to them and beat Texas. That's that's a great point. Like I I'm one thousand percent on on there with you. Like if we had to lose Wyoming all over again. As much as that hurt so bad and was just such a killer to start the season, I would I would do it again in a heartbeat if it meant we could beat UT this week. And so, um, great stuff coming up. I'm so looking forward to it. I really hope that you know Tech goes in there and uh, puts it all on the line. You know, don't hold anything back. Don't save your trick plays for the bowl game like we did last year. It's time to let it all hang out. Let's go make some chaos happen. You know that all the Big Twelve teams are counting on you soon. I'm all about it. Um, moving into, you know, a little bit more college football. We talked a little bit just for a half a second about it. The game. The call the the one of the best best biggest rivalries in all of college football. Ohio State versus Michigan. Going into Michigan with all the stuff that has happened. All, you know, Harbaugh getting suspended. They're trash talking. They, all they can do is steal signs. Ryan Day's team is soft. You know, they just asked Coach Harbaugh at the podium. You know how much respect he had for Ryan Day. He dodged the question like no other. I mean, it was like an obvious, like going out of your way to let them know that you don't really care to talk about that guy. I love this rivalry, and I'm uh, truthfully, I'm just as excited to watch that game as any college football or NFL game this weekend. Whenever this game happens, do you think that? I mean, obviously, Coach Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in college football, but. We now know that, you know, this team is pissed about the way this happened, pissed about what happened, what going on, and they are a physical team built on just beating the shit out of you. As an Ohio State fan, are you truthfully so glad that Harbaugh is not on the field or seeing how they performed since they've been pissed off? Does that put a little extra fear in, you know, your so-called soft Ohio State team? Well, I feel like Ohio State, they need to be scared both ways because – I mean, they've lost to Michigan, is it the last three years or two years? Two years, I believe. Okay, so they, they've lost this this game. They've lost the edge that it seems like they had for a long time. And so they got to go and get it back. And now they, they're playing, Michigan's playing for something else other than trying to get the national title game. Right. They're playing for Harbaugh. I mean, it's kind of kind of dumb that they're coming out in free Harbaugh shirts. And stuff. Right. I think that is just pretty silly. But, uh, I mean... I don't want to be Ohio State right now. Right. Do you? No, no, I don't. And, you know, I, I can't take stat, uh, credit for this stat, but um, Colin Cowherd came out with this this week. You know, he's talked a lot about Harbaugh, a lot about Michigan, stuff like that. So the last 21 games of this rivalry have been decided by who had the most rushing yards. So it has been um, – Ohio State, I think, has – I can't remember exactly. I'm pretty sure it's the 26th best rushing attack in all of college football, and I think the ninth in the Big Ten. So, I mean, not great as far as, you know, how good the Big Ten is at running the football. Michigan, of course, I think is number one or in the top three, I believe. So Michigan obviously has the edge there. And I think that they just bully you into the ground, and that is why they have those second-half just takeaways because – they just run away from it because, I mean, I don't know. So go back to a little bit. I hate to bring up bad memories, but think back to, like, the day that y'all played CrossFit. You know, we're all sick. Damn. It was cold. <laughs> Sorry. But, like, just think about it. Like, 
I forget what the guy's. You probably remember what the running back's name is, but I he, don't. But he was a he was good he was a dog. And I mean, it just is so demoralizing. And I go back to like whenever we played Stratford, and they would line up in that freaking wing tee shit. And it is just so demoralizing because you know they're running the football. You know half the time whenever it's coming right at you. And they still put a hat on a hat and just bully you. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen on Saturday. I think Ohio State will come out and jump out to a halftime lead. And everybody will be saying, you know, they're missing Harbaugh. Let's see how they can adjust without Harbaugh. And I think they just bully the shit out of them enough to where they kind of give up late in the second half. I don't know if you can really give up in a rivalry like that, but – let me just tell you from personal experience, being a not very big guy who tried to, you know, be a linebacker and stick his head in there, um, getting the shit beat out of you play after play takes his toll mentally and, you know, physically as well. Mm-hmm. That'll just really break you down. And, I mean, that's obviously going to be the key for Michigan. But, I mean, you can't forget they have J.J. McCarthy held two weeks ago. He was the favorite for the Heisman. I think his odds are uh, pretty low now. But he's still a dog. And so – they have that ability to just ground and pound and then on like a, a second and one or second and inches, just play action right down the middle, boom, big play. But I, I just – I got to thinking, you know, we usually get a lot of snow games in the Big Ten. We haven't gotten a single one. I have no idea what the weather's like, but if it's not snowing at the game, oh, man, that would just that would just defeat the whole purpose. <laughs> right. I want a foot of snow. And I want Blake Corum to run the ball 50 times. Oh, my. And, and if that happens, hammer Michigan. Bet all every farm that you have, every single inch of land you have, put it all down on the Wolverines. Um, this is building up to be, you know, one of the best games ever. Going into – Hang on. So, with that game, before we move off of that game, the spread right now is Michigan minus three. It's at Michigan. You had to put a farm on it. What would you take? Oh, man. Michigan minus three. Of course, it's an 11 a.m. game. I'm trying to look at. I'm going to take. I'm I'm going to trust my instincts. I'm going to bet the farm down on like the team that I have just been kissing up to just now. I'm going to go with my, my good friends, the team and twins, and I'm going to put it down on their Wolverines. Go blue. I like it. That's probably what I would do too, but I, I'm not going to bet a farm yeah. on it. Yeah, can I have your farm and I can bet it? <laughs> no. Um, no, we go to, so talking about rivalries, you know, we, we're not a part of this rivalry, but it means a lot. Like it just means a lot to college football in general. I don't feel like you have that in the NFL because you have this big playoff format. You know, if you don't get into the playoffs in the NFL, you didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Well, now – Every game is so crucial, and that's one of the big reasons that this game is so vital to college football this year is Ohio State, Michigan, whoever wins has a great chance to make it into the college football playoff. So it's, I mean, it it is a must, must win, unless it's a short, close, close loss by Ohio State, and then there's an argument, of course, but... Does will bringing out the twelve team you know format twelve team college football playoff where more teams get in you know even one of these one loss like Ohio State Michigan teams they're probably going to get in does that devalue some of these rivalries that mean so much to college football I don't know if it devalues it because if you think about it let's say Michigan wins they're the number two seed okay and everything else fills out the way that it's currently set at with the top 12 in the in the college football playoff rankings. Michigan would then play 
Penn State, who they've already beat. Penn State's not that. I mean, they're good. They're not that good. That would put Ohio State, I'd say they'd probably drop down to six or seven. They're going to end up playing Bama, probably, assuming that they're going to win or maybe a Florida State. I mean, it, it does end up making a difference because you will play a different level of competition right there. And right. so I, I think that there is still a lot of value in, in winning those games. But I got a question for you. Do you think that playing a, a championship in, in your conference, do you think that is just silly? I like it to me, it makes sense for the SEC that has two, it's got an East and a West. It makes sense for Bama and Georgia to play each other, but for Oregon and Washington to have to play each other or Texas and OU or Texas and Kansas state, whoever that they've already played once like hell Washington went to Oregon and beat them. I don't think that they should have to play again because then if Oregon wins that game, Oregon's got a better chance of getting in. I don't think that you should have to play the same team twice in order to make it in. What do you think? I like what you said about having the divisions and what that means. Because, um, like, the SEC, you know, as much as we trash – they've done it right. Yeah. You know, they they have it set up um, by basically conferences like the NFL. I mean, they, they do things right over there. But, you know, in the 12-team playoff format, I think it does – incentivize it because I, I this is just selfishly as a college football fan i want to watch oregon and washington play again because a lot of people felt like oregon you know is the better team right now and should have won that game but washington washington keeps pulling shit out of their ass i mean they are they are a talented team and they do some great things but they are not overall well-rounded like oregon is and so for me i love it with the big 12 right now because god forbid texas tech doesn't you know beat Texas this weekend and they're in the big 12 playoff. They still have another chance to lose. Yeah. And I love that. But I do think it's like, it w- I would be pissed if I was a Washington fan going like, like we, we did what we were supposed to. We won out or Florida state. I mean, that is a brutal, brutal loss to lose your starting quarterback who has been phenomenal this year. I mean, he's been, he's been outstanding and the, to go down with a season ending injury career, college football career ending injury um, after a stellar career and a stellar season. And now, you know, they, they've done everything right. They're probably going to end up undefeated until the ACC championship game. And then they can get upset by a really, really great team. And so that really sucks, but that probably is going to keep them out of the college football playoff. If I had to put my money down right now and, I mean, that's, that's just a brutal, brutal way to end your season. Okay, so let's just go ahead and get right into this playoff talk. I'm going to draw up a scenario here, and I want you to tell me what do you think the end result's going to be, okay? So you have Georgia and you have Bama. Uh, They're both one <laughs> loss, okay? You got Michigan undefeated, okay? And you got Washington Mm, let's spice this up a little bit. Let's throw Florida State with zero losses and then Washington, Oregon, Texas with all one loss, okay? So the only undefeateds are Michigan and Florida State. And so then you have Georgia, Bama, Washington, Oregon, Texas, and Ohio State all at one loss. Right. Who gets in? So Michigan is the number one seed. That's easy. I think, you know, they they beat Ohio State. They have dominated every single which way. They are the conference champion. I think everybody would agree they're the unanimous number one. 
this is where you get tricky because nobody will believe in this scenario that Florida State is the second best team or even probably one of the top four teams. I don't believe that right now without Hunter Travis, without their starting quarterback. Yeah, without Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis. But in like, I mean, there's a good chance. If they do win out, they're not going to be blowout wins. No. I highly doubt. I don't know anything about their backup. And, and they haven't played stellar. I mean, they haven't. I mean, they've, they've got some quality wins. You know, they upset Clemson in a big game. They beat Duke. You know, they beat, I mean, they've had some good wins on the schedule. But nobody truly believes that they are the top four teams. So what the committee is going to have to decide is what do you put more value in? Who are the four best teams in college football? Or are you going to value the regular season? Because if you don't put Florida State in there, what you're basically saying is the regular season does not matter. And you can't say that. You can't say that right now with the four-team college football playoff the way that you have done it in the past. It has been, had to have been, you have to be undefeated or have a stellar season with one little letdown, but it's got to be by a hair. I think you have to throw Florida State in there. As much as I don't believe that they are a four team, one of the four best teams, I think ultimately the college football playoff committee will put Florida State in there because otherwise you're just being, I mean, you're just basically saying it. And being a hypocrite yeah, being based a hypocrite. off of past years, I right. agree. So I think you put Florida State in there. At two? I put them at three. Okay. And I'm going to put – oh, this is tough. So Oregon has been a, a darling for a while because they, they they think that, you know, everybody believes that they are better than Washington. Washington is the number four team according to the updated college football rankings. Washington, I believe, is out. Um, Texas and Bama, obviously they have the head-to-head. But I'm going to take Bama's schedule over Texas. You know, Bama, you know, the SEC has been down. But the Big 12 has also not been something to die for. Um, Texas is let down um, against a now. I mean, it, it, what it really comes down to is all these one-loss teams, how do their losses finish out the season? How does Oklahoma finish out the season? How does, um, you know, let's see, look at the other losses. Ohio State, obviously Michigan, that one means a lot. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, it's this, tough. This is, there, there is no right answer here because Ohio State's one loss is going to be to the number one overall team. Why, why should you not throw them in there? And where is their letdown? Exactly. No, it depends. So if I'm saying if it is a close, close loss uh, with Michigan and Ohio State, I'm putting Ohio State in. If Michigan comes and runs their ass over, I'm taking them out. So this is where, you know, all this comes down to. What I believe in my heart that they will do is it'll be a close, close Bama win, and I think that Unfortunately, the SEC will still get their two teams. And I think Georgia and Bama go in because Georgia has been Georgia. Georgia is, I mean, one of the top, if no, they are the top program in college football for the last few years. And they are stellar in every single which way. If they have a close loss to a white hot Bama team, I think they're still going to get in. And I think that Bama, you know, how do you not put them in at that point? And, you know, their letdown has been to a, you know, top 10 absolute perfect caliber team that's going to get upset by Texas Tech this weekend in Texas. So There is just no There's right, no right I could tell like you got frazzled just thinking about it. You think you know what what should happen until you start saying it out loud and you're like, oh, well, Bama's not going to – or Bama's going to get in because they only have one loss and it was early to Texas. Well, if Texas only has one loss and they beat Bama, how did they not get in? Well, Georgia didn't lose till the championship game and they lost to Bama. So, I mean – there, there's no right answer here. I this has just, been this this is one of the best college football. I'm all for this though. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm like the last few years, it's been obvious who the four best teams. Like you, even if there's those like 
four and five, fourth and fifth place teams that you're arguing between, it is obvious. You know who should be in there, and you have a gut feeling on what they'll go with. This, I mean, it is a complete and total shit show, which I love. If Tech was up there in it, I'd be, I mean, absolutely panicked. But since they're not, I'm rooting for chaos. And so I'm all for it. And this is what's going to make the 12-team playoff absolutely fantastic. I, I will say, like, last year after uh, TCU got their asses whooped by Georgia, uh, I think Eric was the one saying this is the fir- that was the first time that he hasn't been all that excited for the 12-team playoff. Hell, you look at the top 12 teams right now, and, I mean, like, right now they got Missouri at nine. Missouri has been the closest game to Georgia so far. So, I mean, hell, there's no – there's no telling what teams could do right there. And so I'm all excited for it. I just – I think that if Bama is a one-loss, they beat Georgia. If Bama's a one-loss and they somehow don't get in, can you imagine the press conference with Saban up oh, there? Shit. I mean, he has been – he's been pissed off years mm-hmm. before. Oh, my gosh. I – I almost kind of hope it happens just to <laughs> just see him see that. just freaking light into those reporters who are just doing their jobs. If you are a Saban hater, that is your worst nightmare because if that happens, he will coach the next 10 years and win five national champions championships just because he's pissed for 10 straight years. Who would be more pissed about Bama not getting in, Eric or Nick Saban? <laughs> Eric. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, that. This, like I said, this is great in – what I'm rooting for the most whenever they come out come out with that 12-team college football playoff. Sorry, beer burps. I mean, we're we're hammering <laughs> we're hammering Coors Lights here on the other side of the screen, fellas. Um, but you know, our, the best thing, one of the best sporting events all the year is March Madness, and it's because of the upsets, the chaos, the never knowing what the hell is going to happen next. That's what I want this 12-team college football to turn into because you have teams like Oregon State who played Washington last week. They beat Washington in every measurable statistic out there besides turnovers. They just had two more turnovers and, I mean, crucial turnovers, obviously. But if they don't have those turnovers, they upset Washington. And that can happen on any given Saturday with those top 12 teams. So it's exciting to think about. I'm very fired up to have that in my mind. Well, you also think about, remember last year when Tulane, I think they had one loss and they played USC in the Cotton Bowl. It was New York Six. And I get it, USC, that was kind of a letdown bowl for them because they didn't make it in. But I think with this 12-team format, they are sitting at a one-loss right now. But I do think that they would get in with this new format because they would be the champion of whatever conference they're in. And so I think that they would get in. And, hell, let's say they play, uh, let's just say Florida State, and then the the winner after that goes and plays Georgia. Florida State could overlook them pretty quick and mm-hmm. pretty easy, and that could get them to make a make a run and at least get one win, get right. that program a little bit of confidence, get some recruits that know that program. Then hell, who knows? Tulane could be you know a top ten team for years right. on end. It, it could it could mean so much for these programs that aren't shit right now. And going back to that March Madness analogy, think about the first time that Texas Tech went into March Madness with Coach Beard the very first year. And they went to the Elite Eight, or maybe the Sweet Six. I think it was Elite Eight because we went and watched those mm-hmm. games. Uh, we saw Zaire Smith do the 360 dunk. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Un, un, you can't even describe how much it means to the fan base and how much money it brings into the fan base. So these games are going to be so huge to building a program so important to these fan bases. But think about NIL money. I mean, 
think about how much money immediately after that year where Coach Beard shocked everybody and took that team to the Elite Eight. Next year, boom, biggest practice facility in the nation uh, brought in with the Womble facility. So it means everything to these programs. And, and then, you know, on top of that, a lot of these coaches that, you know, build up a program like, well, what is that Kansas coach's name? Luke Leipold? Yeah. So let's say let's say Kansas was to make it into the Final Four bef- or the college football playoff before anybody knew who that guy even was. You know, in past years, he would be, you know, the first guy on Missouri's list or, right. you know, a, a bigger school that's got a bigger history. He'd be the first one on their list. But hell, if they make it up there, he's going to be able to pull in recruits a lot easier. He might be able to stay at that school, create his own culture, and be really beneficial to that school. I cannot wait for it. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I got chills right now. I'm freaking pumped up right now. I'm shaking. I don't know if it's because I'm four deep or because I'm so excited. It's one of the two. Hey, we're crushing, baby. <laughs> Cheers. So, uh, you just talked, uh, touched a little bit on USC, and they just lost to UCLA. By the way, for all you Triple F fans that think I'm just throwing out meaningless, you know, sprinkle a little bit here. Every time that I have not put a super dog or a bet the farm down and I've said, you know, I feel good about it. And, you know, maybe sprinkle some here. It is absolutely hammered. So, you know, do I know what I'm talking about or do I know what I'm talking about? But USC uh, lost to UCLA this week. You know, UCLA went in and kicked crap out of them. And USC's quarterback, Caleb Williams, you know, the darling of the NFL, number one unanimous overall pick, you know, best prospect in all these years. The guy that I've been saying is kind of screaming douchebag a little bit. He declined to talk to the media after that. That is your number one job as a quarterback of a big program. And again, in the NFL next year, you will be the face of a franchise. And, you know, as kind of boring as Kyler Murray is at the podium and as, you know, much scrutiny as he has, you know, for all of his, you know, uh, call of duty talk, you know, make poking fun at him for stuff like that. He takes shit on the chin and absolutely goes up there and answers at the press conference every time. Does this does this mean how much does this kind of shit mean to you? I mean, is he dying a little bit in the number one talks in your mind? Well, it it just proves that he is very arrogant. No matter what you think in that game, I I don't know anything about that game. I'm sure it was his defense's fault. I'm sure he played a good game. But no matter what happens, you go out there and you say, I could have been better. You know, there was this play where I missed this receiver or I threw a pick here, and if I don't, then we have a better chance. No matter what you truly believe, you got to go out there and take the blame. That is your number one job of being the guy, being the franchise guy. You got to go take those hits, and you got to just say, "Hey, this is my fault." You got to stand up for your guys, no matter what the hell happens. Did you see what Patrick Mahomes did? Exactly what I was about yeah. to talk about. I mean, you see what he did. He goes out there, Valdez Scantling dropped that pass. I mean, as blatant obvious, his receivers played like buns and I mean they were dropping passes all over they got the highest drop percentage in the NFL Mahomes goes out there and he says yeah I could have been better it wasn't just one play you know there's a couple people that missed I missed that pass I could have thrown a little shorter he was so wide open I should have been able to hit him he took those hits he did not single out one player no matter how much he knew is Valdez Scantling's fault he took those licks on the chin and any casual fan knows that he is lying like, every casual mm-hmm. fan knows that Valdez Scantling dropped a perfect ball. Everybody knows that they've his wide receivers were shit. And so, 
you see Patrick Mahomes go out there, and it is that's where you see the team aspect of it. And you see that talk, him talking about, you know, his receivers going to bat for him. And that means so much to, you know, his players who already are kicking themselves. You saw Valdez Scantling, um, you know, banging his helmet on the wall. I mean, they already can't stand themselves. These guys are true alpha males competitors that want to win. And so you have to be able to take those bullets and catch those strays up in front of the media whenever it's not your turn, whenever you're not responsible. And then you see things like this weekend, you know, I am absolutely just petrified about, you know, this Mark Andrews injury. He went down. They're thinking maybe it's not for the whole season now, but easily going on IR, effectively probably ending his season. And he is an absolute weapon for the Ravens, has been a great tight end for in, Ra- in all of Ravens program history and an uh, obvious favorite target of Lamar Jackson. And they come back and they win a big game against the Bengals. Obviously, there was a lot of injuries, but it's a Thursday night game. You could expect him to go off and be excited. Uh, Lamar Jackson played well, and they're asking him questions about the game, and he goes out of his way to talk about how hurt he is for his guy and talk about how much Mark Andrews means to him. And you can feel that. I mean, you can truly tell how close-knit these guys are. I haven't seen Caleb Williams talk about a teammate like that once. Yeah, and it, it's really sad to see and because uh, he could be really hurting himself. And, hell, he might might be so talented, it doesn't matter. Maybe he wants to drop a little bit. Maybe he doesn't want to go to the Bears franchise. But let's – okay, so the Bears are going to have the number one overall pick. They've seen enough in Justin Fields. They're going to move off them, at least in this scenario, no matter what. They have the number one overall pick, and you get to pick it. Are you picking Caleb Williams or Drake May? I mean, this defeats what we've been talking about the whole time. Um, <laughs> I know. That's why I, I want to ask it. Does it matter that much, or is his hype so big that it really doesn't matter? It's so big. Like, I I mean, I've heard all the stuff about, you know, Drake May. Some people have him above and whatnot. But I just feel like true. I don't. I, I haven't watched Drake May. I don't know how talented he is. But, like, I don't – one of these guys, you know – the a lot more college football draft picks bust than people realize, you know, especially quarterbacks, a lot more people bust than they realize. I mean, go look at Trevor Lawrence's draft, you know, he, but or he's not a bust, but he hasn't been up to a potential. I was meaning to say Zach Wilson, bust. okay, easy. Now you don't have to talk shit on my boy. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Zach Wilson. <laughs> um, but you know, in the Trey Lance bus, Mac Jones is looking like bus, uh, Justin Fields, yeah, probably a bust. You know, it's it, so many people bust. And so, you know, it's going to be a tough way either way. But another question to throw back at you so that I don't have to answer this one. <laughs> if you're if you're looking at like the bottom of the league, bottom of the barrel teams that are all looking for a quarterback. Let's say you have the Bears, the Giants. Let's throw the Cardinals in there because this is what my argument's going to be about. Or the Patriots. So yeah, Bears, Giants, Cardinals, Patriots. Which of those four teams would you most want to go to right now if you had your pick as a quarterback coming out of college? Uh, if I'm a quarterback coming out of college, who would I want to go to? Um, I get, I mean, if, if Belichick's going to stay in New England, I'd probably want to go there, even though I, I, I can't tell if he's still a good coach. I don't want to go to the Cardinals, Slade. I'm sorry. I mean, if I'm if, if you're talking about which franchise has the most potential right now between those, it's them, but I don't want to go to the Giants. They have nobody. I don't want to go to the Bears. They are just a proven shit show. 
And I, hell, I don't know. I guess if Belichick's staying at the Patriots and you know that, I guess that's what I would choose. But if I had to choose any of the others, I guess I would take. <laughs> so Dane is chugging away so that I can talk now. Um, so I think last that you don't want to, you don't want to go to the Bears most of all. Bears bad, awful at offense, defensive culture. They're never going to put their arms around. You saw what happened with Mitchell Trubisky. I don't want to go to the Bears. Um, I think. Dayball at the Giants is a big advantage. I think Dayball is going to be their coach for a while. I think that he has the it, and he wants to win. He's an offensive mind who turned Josh Allen around, and since he has left, Josh Allen has gone into the turnover gutter. Um, Then you think, so they might be my number one. And, And, I mean, then again, if you do go to the Giants – and you turn out not to be that good, you can get $40 million. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, the standards are not that high. Um, going into standards not being that high, hear me out. Now, I know you just said the Cardinals are not your pick. So my my thing with the Cardinals is, obviously, I'm a homer. So this is a complete biased opinion. But the Cardinals have shown a ton of fight this year with a very, I mean, weak roster. Let's just put it how it is. That, that defensive roster is weak. Their GM has been absolutely ballsy with getting rid of guys and, you know, throwing stuff away. Isaiah Simmons, a guy that you invest a lot into, ship him to the Giants for a bag of potato chips. Josh Dobbs, who came in and played well, bag of potato chips, get gone. And then, you know, you look at guys like Hopkins, don't don't need him, we're gone. The defense is weak, and every pick he has picked has been an absolute stellar pick. So you're saying right now Cardinals had the number two overall pick. Should you you want uh, to tr- pass on Marvin Harrison Jr. if you're going to stay with Kyler Murray and go defense? So that's what I'm saying is he's so good at drafting in these later – or at least last year. I mean, anybody can get hot. You know, he, maybe he just had a really good year. And so I, I have faith in him that if you truly believe, which the receiving core is not – atrocious for the Cardinals, but it's not good by any means. And so the tight end, great. James Conner still has some stuff left in the tank at running back. Um, I want to see them trade down and get a left tackle. You hit on the right tackle. Paris Johnson from Ohio State has looked great at times. I mean, he has he's a rookie, but has looked good. Um, but anyways, what I was leading to is if you hire a defensive coach, he better, he better get the defense right. You know, that's the problem with, you know, we've talked a lot of shit on the Chargers, but Brandon Staley can't get the defense right. And he is supposed to be a defensive guru. The offense is the only thing working and he has nothing to do with it. So why is he there? You know, um, right now, Jonathan Gannon, as much shit talk as he got in the offseason and as weird of a guy as he is, that defense is overperforming by a big margin. And that offense, I mean, Drew Petsing was a hell of a hire at offensive coordinator. I mean, it there's a ton of upside here with the Cardinals and low expectations. So I, you know, I don't think this is as bad of a, as bad of a gig as it used to be. Or as many people thought, you know, people are buying back into Kyler Murray after two games back in. Um, but I think giants Cardinals, I don't like the Patriots job. I don't want to be in Bill Belichick system. You know, obviously Tom Brady had a, I mean, best career ever in the NFL with, his offense. But since then, what the hell have they done? They don't draft well. Um, they don't have good weapons. Uh, their defense is still good, but not 
overpowering to win them games. I mean, but do you think that could be because Belichick is not that good of a GM? Like, do you think that he could be that good of a coach, but he's just a dog shit GM? Yeah, no, I think that's the that's the worst part of it. Um, he needs to get out of there. That, that's what drives me crazy when they're talking about him going to the Chargers or the Commanders, and they're like, he's going to go be the coach GM somewhere else. Have you not learned? Even when he right. had Brady, he was not that good of a GM. He was he was a good GM for the defensive side, but Brady never had any weapons. Brady made his own weapons. Right. Yeah. No, I I, I get. I totally agree with that. I mean, they didn't have – it was just a bunch of, like, you know, Julian Edelman's out there mm-hmm. running around – Guys, you got lucky on that had the work ethic and the Patriots mentality. Um, but I've been on this rant way too long. All these fucking guys are so pissed. I, I just, just, just talk about the Cardinals so much. But I have one last hot take to throw out there before we get to this, uh, you know, blind ranking that I have set up for you. So we just saw the Kansas City Chiefs play the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and it was, it was a great game. All, you know, wasn't clean on both sides, but these are two stellar teams that everybody was looking forward to watching. I know I'm so glad. This is the only thing that I'm glad that nobody else is here for because the Roarback boys would kill me if they heard me say this. <laughs> I hear me out. Hear me out. I have an argument, but I, I like the Philadelphia Eagles. I enjoy them. I root for them. I was almost, I, as much as I love Patrick Mahomes and I like the chiefs, I kind of didn't care who won that game. I kind of like the Eagles. I like their mentality. I like their grinded out stuff. (laughs) Nick Sirianni, as much as I don't like him, and as much as he really pisses me off, you saw him coming off the field, you know, talk shit now, Chiefs fans, see ya. I mean, he's just an arrogant asshole. But that's what Philly is. It's exactly what Philadelphia is. And, like, as a fan who doesn't have a dog in the fight, whenever you watch a game like that, is it wrong to not enjoy that? Oh, well, okay, so I don't think that you were necessarily rooting for the Eagles. I was kind of in the same situation as you were. I don't think that I was rooting for the Eagles, but I do think that I was rooting for really good football. And at the end of the game, that's kind of who you were going for was the Eagles because they they were down big in in the half. It looked like the Chiefs were going to blow their ass out. I still hate Sirianni. I think he is a great coach. but He's perfect for them. He is perfect for them. He's a douchebag. He is a douchebag. And he knows football. That is Philly. <laughs> right. So I, I really do think that he's the perfect fit for them. I think that he's going to be there for a long time. Right. But when you see, like, Jalen Hurts come out and talk, like, he's a stand-up dude. Uh-huh. It is hard. It is hard not to root for him. And then you throw in Jason Kelsey and everything that we've come to learn about him and how good of a guy he is. Right. And all their backstory. Shit, it, it's hard not to root for them. And th- that was that was like my next piece of my argument was like, you know, Jalen Hurts and Jason Kelsey, the like core guys that are surrounding this, even I love Devontae Smith, um, key guys surrounding this program, they mean a lot to the Eagles, and I, I have a hard time not rooting for them, but Sirianni is such a dick. I mean, no, he's, he's such, such a, a dick. He's but is that not exactly – I mean, Philly is like the F you, we don't care that you if you like us or not. Like, we don't effing like you either. So he is Philadelphia. Like they, as much shit as they got during that hire, they nailed it. Like it, he is, he's a Philly guy through and through. He feels like a guy that will be there for a long, long time. So truthfully, this is a, a you know a take that is going to get me crucified. I hope nobody, none of my family mem- members listen to this before Thanksgiving tomorrow, which they won't because I won't publish it just for this case. I would not mind if Philly won the Super Bowl this year. 
I'm with you. I, I really wouldn't mind it either. I, I really, it, it's really hard to root against Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I feel myself rooting for a uh, a player more than I root for a coach. Absolutely. You know, and so I feel like that's why I feel the way I do about the Eagles. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, getting into this blind ranking, baby. You know, Dane, Dane put us through some blind rankings, me and Brent, and it was kind of a shit show. And I, I really screwed the pooch putting Wendy's at third. I'm sorry, Brent. I know you're probably still a little spicy about it, but we talked about our love for Thanksgiving. And it would be so wrong if we didn't have a segment just dedicated to it. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our food, Thanksgiving food, blind rankings, baby. And this time, Dane's making the picks because I want him to see the struggle. So, this time for this first one, Dane, you know, we got five five teams coming up here for the Thanksgiving foods. And it is – this is like your staple. But this is all going to be foods like in the like main food category, not appetizer, dessert, or – yeah, it's, it's this, this is going on your main plate. Right, how this you is your it. main plate. This okay. is not dessert. So, first first team we got up there. This is a controversial, you know, you love it or hate it, you know, give me stuffing. Stuffing. Okay. I really like stuffing, but it's easy. Like, stuffing is easy to mess up. It's, it's common to have bad stuffing. So, I, as much as I love it, it's not going to be super high. I'm going to go four. I'm going to go four. Brutal. I, I love stuffing, but I'm going to go four on it. Absolutely. That's criminal. All righty. Well, you got another one coming up. All right. This is a good, like you said, easy one to mess up here. But if you do it right, good one. All right. Anyways, turkey. Turkey. I love turkey. Um, it's the protein. Uh, I, it is better than stuffing, in my opinion. I'm going to go, since since it's one of the main ones. No, I'm going three. I'm going three. You're going to get crucified for this. All right. Anyways, next, I know where you're going with this one, but it's a staple. Deviled eggs. Number one. Number. I mean, immediately, ladies and gentlemen, no hesitation whatsoever. All right. I don't hate it. This This one's a little bit different. Not really. Anyways. Mac and cheese. Oh, shit. Mmm. I almost wish... Mac and cheese is so good all the time, but there's one thing that I just... I love more than anything on my plate. I don't agree with mac and cheese going at five, but I have to leave my two slot open for what I think is going to be there. You're probably going to pull a dang and just screw me over. See, I, I was hoping that you would put mac and cheese at two so you would know how this feeling sucks so bad. But you're right. I know what you're feeling. Green bean casserole. Mm -hmm. I, I thought about saving number one for green bean casserole, but you cannot pass up on deviled eggs. So I didn't think you were going to put stuffing that high, and I thought that you were going to lose all your number one, two, three, four spots, and I thought you were going to have to put green bean casserole at five, and that was going to fill me with some joy. But no, uh, I, I know how to play this game. So. All right. Go fuck yourself. All right. Yes. <laughs> all right. So next we have – this is the desserts category. Um, so you ready? Num the first one is Let, hang on before we go, let's recap my one through five on the main plate. One through five, it goes deviled eggs, green bean casserole, turkey, stuffing, mac and cheese. Right, right. Okay. I and yeah, I don't hate it. I mean mac and cheese it is fantastic, but it doesn't feel like loyal to Thanksgiving itself. You, you talk shit on my stuffing. If I could make if I had this spread and I could label it, stuffing would be last. 
out of all these. You're full I'm of just shit. Saying. Full just of saying. shit. It's so crucial to Thanksgiving. Anyways, now it's time for the desserts. I think this one is pretty interesting to go with because it's got two doozies at the top. First is a staple and known just for Thanksgiving, pumpkin pie. See, I know that you personally love pumpkin pie. I don't love it all that much. That's fair. I, I, it, it's good if you have just a shit ton of whipped cream on it. Right. But I, I'm going to put it at four. <sighs> okay. Um, next is pecan pie. Number one. It cannot be beat. Pe- pecan pie is the tits. And especially melt it, put a little ice cream on yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, man. That shit smacks. That oh, smacks. it's great. Yeah. All right. Next, this one is not... I don't. I, I was. I didn't have a lot of ideas for the dessert category, but this one is still. I, I would call it a dessert or a sweet. Give me sweet potato casserole. Ooh, that's good. I mean, that usually goes on the main plate, but I but see it, why you put it in this category. Yeah, and and it's good. It's really slept on. I'm gonna put it in the three. I, I I'd love to put it in the two, but I'm gonna put it in the three. Okay. Next is. This this is again. I was kind of fishing for ideas here because they're kind of our, the Bormans don't go hard on the desserts, but we go hard on the main plate. Um, this next one is the pumpkin roll. So it's you know it's like that pinwheel of pumpkin cream cheese, all that good stuff. So the pumpkin roll. Yeah, it, that's better than pumpkin pie, but I can't put it up. I can't put it at two. I got to put it at five. Damn it. This is a this is that's tough. That's a tough look. But again, I'm just not the biggest pumpkin fan. That's fine. And I think you did it right because this next one, I love it. It's a Brorman family favorite. It's the pretzel salad. I was wondering if you were going to do that. So pretzel salad, for those of you who don't have this at your Thanksgiving, it's got like that. I don't really even know how to talk about it. Like it's like the candy pretzel crust on the bottom and that strawberry like jelly filled center with the whipped cream. It freaking smacks. It smacks. I mean smacks. I, I think that I think that my, my list ended up pretty good. It goes pecan pie, pretzel salad, sweet potato casserole, pumpkin pie, pumpkin pinwheels. Yeah. I mean I I don't I don't hate that list at all. And I'm a I would put pumpkin pie much higher, but me and dad went through three pumpkin pies on one Thanksgiving <laughs> one time. So if that tells you anything, I'm a big pumpkin pie guy. Um, this next one is probably my most fun one, and I'm very much looking forward to it. This is the Thanksgiving festivities. Mm-hmm. So you don't have like a ton of traditions. These are going to be really unique to the Borman family. So I'm sorry for our listeners, but Dane is going to, I mean, love these options. So this is anything that goes on not just during Thanksgiving Day, but Thanksgiving weekend, you know. Mm-hmm. So, first one on the list, it's the Lions game. Oh man, this is tough because in the past it's been awful. It's been awful. I'm excited to watch it this this week. But the reason I throw it on there is they're the only team that is loyal to Thanksgiving, 100. percent I mean, they have the Cowboys too, but the, yeah, the Lions are known for Thanksgiving. They are, but they are also known for historically being a dog shit team. Gosh, that that's tough. Just because I'm so excited for it this year, but I'm going. God dang! Since it has to do with football, I'm going to put it in the three. Okay. I, I I mean, if it's historically just lines, and we're talking football. I throw it in four, but I got to throw it in the three. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. All right. Next is the leftovers. 
So, you know, you have whenever in this more comes down to like when we were in Lockhart and you have all the leftovers in one place and you just get to keep going back for more. You get to keep going back for more the next day. You're like, oh, dude, that Thanksgiving smacked. I'm going to go back for or that. That stuffing smacked for me personally. You know, for you, it'd be fucking green bean casserole. But, <laughs> um, leftovers. Okay. Yeah. And, and the best part about leftovers of Thanksgiving is at that point, you don't have to worry about saving some for everybody else it, it leftovers are great i will take as many leftovers as i could possibly get i'm gonna save my one slot because i don't know what i have no idea what's coming so i'm gonna put it in the two okay all right the next and i'm gonna give you this one early, a little bit early because it's it, it deserves the freedom of being able to be placed where you want it shit this is i mean absolutely unique to our family and it comes around, you know, almost every year now that we're out of town and we like to come in and have beers. It's the Hooters Black Friday beers. This is where we go and you drop off mom at the mall. You let her go Black Friday shopping. Me, dad, Dane, and let's be honest, Paige, not, you know, much of a girly girl whenever it comes to shopping. She wants to go have, she wants to go have beers with the boys, which, I mean, is one of my favorite things about Paige. So her and Jacob come and tear up some beers at Hooters with us. We appetizer it out and just watch football all day. Slade, I would be the biggest coward in the history of mankind if I did not put Hooters beers in the one slot. I have to do it. I'm thankful for Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be thankful for something on Thanksgiving, so let's be thankful for Hooters. Gosh dang. I, I, I wish I wouldn't have taken away my one, but I, I mean, I have to. It's, it's iconic. It's electric to. and iconic all at the same to. time. The only time Hooters beers are better is during March Madness. Absolutely. I nailed it on the head. Um, the next is again, this is kind of goes into our drinking aspect. It's the full belly drink. So after you've had those two, three, four plus plates at Thanksgiving, you break out the whiskey, you break out the scotch to really throw the edge on. Now that you got the food in your stomach, you're not worried about messing up your buzz, anything like that. The full belly drinks like a, you know, we always break out the scotch at Broman, Broman Chris or Broman Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, uh, Man, I, I did. I messed this list up a little bit. I'm finally getting a taste of it. I'm going to throw it in four because that's the highest one I have. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that whiskey drink or that scotch drink, right whenever you're finally ready to sit down and you're finally done eating and you're just ready to graze every hour or so. Right. That, it's the best. So I'll put whiskey in the four. Okay. And your fifth, fifth uh, place pick is going to be college football rivalry weekend. So, oh, you dog. Yeah. Taste of your own medicine there, boy. Okay. Um, so <laughs> so I will say, like, out of these three, I messed up the festivities. Um, but my other two, I feel very strongly about. I did better than you and Brent. Y'all are cheeks. Y'all are terrible. Um, but to round off that festivities, one through five, I went Hooters, Leftovers, Lions Game, Whiskey, and College Rivalry Weekend. That one, that's not a very good list, but hey. But they're all great. Picks. They're, I mean, they're all great. I mean, you could throw you could throw a dart at any of those five, and it could be number one. Absolutely. I don't feel like me and Brandon did that bad. I think I just – I really screwed up the one Wendy's pick. And other than that, I felt solid about all of my picks. Well, but, I mean, you did have Rudy's in the number, Rudy in the number one slot for – that was well. That was your fault, you jackass. It wasn't my fault. I, I gave you the list. I mean, I got to do is put them in order. 
jackass. <laughs> Anywho, well, ladies and gentlemen, we're running over time, but that doesn't mean we're not going to take a second to break out the Super Dogs and Bet the Farm segment, baby. The Super Dogs segment is where we pick the biggest underdogs in college football and the NFL world. And you know this one iconically because Chad is so iconically bad at the Super Dogs segment. I mean, the boy has just been getting his you-know-what kicked all of the college football and NFL season. This last week, he took Rutgers plus 20-and-a-half. And just to reaffirm that Chad is doomed in this segment, Rutgers ended up losing by 21. So he lost half a point to put him at 112 points under the spread. Um, not his thing, but he has been kicking our ass to bet the farm, so that's just the way betting goes. Eric is eight points above the surface after his 12-point win Picking Maryland, who was a 19-point underdog and only lost by seven. Dane got 17 and a half points on an absolutely crushed Superdog, taking BYU plus 24 and a half. <laughs> only lost by seven, so he is nine points above the surface on the Superdogs. Brent is coming back down to earth after some heaters a couple weeks ago. He is 14 and a half points above the spread still. Um, you know, he took North Carolina plus six and a half. They lost by 11, so he lost four and a half points. I am in the leader of the clubhouse in the Superdogs, thank goodness, because my bet the farm is atrocious. I am 44 and a half points above the spread after a 12-point Superdogs win on my App State plus nine pick. They ended up winning in overtime by three. Big screw you to Eric for flipping me off and making fun of me for that pick last week. And for you, Dane, for laughing at me. App State to the moon. Superdog segment. Dane, take us away. All right. Thanks, Slade. I was only making fun of you because it was just so uh it was just so rude of you to root against James Madison with what they've been going through. Um, but good pick, gotta give it to you. So to start off our superdog, I'll start it with Chad's. Chad's been dog shit in this category, and I hate him for doing this, but he's taking Texas Tech plus 14 against Texas. Uh Go hammer Texas at that point. Chad, you're a real dick for that. Um, Eric is going to take Florida plus six and a half against Florida State. Um, I, Slade, I got to look up a stat that I had. Go ahead and take you and Brent's and come back to okay. me for mine. So Brent's super dog pick is going to be Florida plus six and a half also. So he likes, they all like Florida plus six and a half. It runs in the family. I, on the other hand, am going to take Oregon State plus 13 and a half. Um, like I said, Oregon State played well against Washington last week. Um, one in every statistical category. They're a solid team. Oregon is phenomenal, but I think Oregon State is a good enough team to hang in a rivalry and cover that spread plus 13 and a half. Okay, so back to mine. Um, I have a stat, and if you're a Lions fan, this is not a, not a stat for you. Um, but since the AFL-NFL merger, the Lions are 0-12 on Thanksgiving when the moon is in a waxing gibbous phase. Tomorrow is a waxing gibbous phase. So give me the Packers plus 7.5 against the Lions for my Superdog. <laughs> I love it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our Superdog segment. We hope you get some points off of us. By the way, Four out of five teams and the Superdogs being above the surface, not damn bad. Not too damn bad. Bet the Farm segment is coming up, and you know what it's sponsored by. It's sponsored by the Beer Box. And if you have ever needed a time to stop by the Beer Box, it is during this Thanksgiving holiday. 
Everybody needs some whiskey. Everybody needs something for the for those belly beers, those full belly beers afterwards. So stop by the beer box there on Main Street in Vega, Texas. They are there for all your beer, wine, and liquor, and all time Thanksgiving needs, baby. So the Bet the Farm segment, we are, like I said, Chad kicking our ass. He is at 9-3 and three after taking my Cardinals plus 5 they won. Eric is sitting there at an even 6-6 six and six after taking the Wyoming White Boys last week. Dane is 5-7 and seven after that Illinois uh, or Iowa-Illinois under. And Brent is sitting there at 4-8. and eight. Um, You know, I almost made him pick a uh, take a loss because he wouldn't get my pick in. But that a boy, Brent, way to get yourself a win. And then I am sitting there right below Chad at second place, 7-5. and five. The Vikings getting it done for me, you know, switching sides. Josh Dobbs, thanks for getting me a win. Dane, take us away. All right. So uh, if y'all have not been following Chad, you need to. Uh, being nine and three is absolutely bananas. Bananas. And uh, so Chad, this week he's gonna go against his Chargers. He's taking Ravens minus three and a half, and he said that this is uh, the kind of week where you lose the locker room. I think he's just really banking on Brandon Staley to get fired this week, which I think we all have for the past six weeks. So go ahead and lock in the Ravens minus three and a half for Chad. Eric is going to take the Chiefs minus nine against the Raiders. He just said the Chiefs have got to get it right. Uh, So go ahead and lock that one in for Eric. I am going to take Alabama minus 14 against Auburn. Rivalry week? I I mean, uh, I did not really like this bet, but Alabama has got to win this game so bad. they got to win this game. Saban is too good of a coach to look ahead for Georgia. So I'm just I'm riding with Saban on this one. So Alabama minus 14 for me. Damn. So Brent, on the other hand, is going to go ahead and take Texas A&M plus 11 and a half for his Bethel Farm. I don't necessarily hate it because you see some wild stuff happen whenever your coach got fired. You know, sometimes that interim guy comes in and lights a spark. That really sucks because I kind of liked the Chargers uh, this week plus three and a half, but I'm not touching that now that <laughs> now that Chad came in because my argument was this is like the Staley's year to just avoid getting fired each week by some you know miracle of hope. Um, so that was going to be my argument, but after seeing that Chad picked him, I'm not touching that shit. I mean, Chad is absolutely electric, so I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to look forward to something tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day. I'm going to take the Seahawks plus seven against the 49ers. It is in Seattle. They have great home field. Um, You know, Geno Smith is not playing fantastic right now, but I think that the 49ers had a fantastic game last week. I still think that Brock Purdy um, is like really, really, really good. He's not a fantastic quarterback. So I'm going to take him to have kind of a letdown game after his perfect, perfect game last week. So Give me the Seahawks plus seven. I'm going to ride it out. I think those games, you know, later in the day of Thanksgiving always turn out to be some really good games. So that's what I'm hoping for. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We really appreciate y'all. We're most thankful for y'all on this Thanksgiving holiday. You know, you want to be thankful for stuff. We're thankful for you, Triple F fans. We're thankful that y'all listen to our shitty podcast every single week. We're thankful that y'all crack beers with us. We're thankful that y'all bet the farm with us. So bet the farm again with us, put it down, and absolutely jam out to some freaking bangers of the week this holiday weekend and all through these holidays. 
Brent is going to take you home this week with Kill Your Heroes by AWOL Nation. <laughs> so, Brent, we miss you. We miss all of our guys. We're thankful for them, and we hope all of your parlays hit. Let me all your fantasy teams, you know, clutch out, get you into the playoffs, and by golly, have an electric and iconic Thanksgiving, baby. Thank you.